This episode of the Buffalonian Podcast is brought to you by the Cast Source Podcast Network, a podcast network built with and for entrepreneurs. We cover many genres, including sports, business, mental health, marketing, and entertainment. We feature the podcast shows such as Sports Bring People Together, Limitless, Saviors of the Metaverse, and The Athletic Mindset. Learn more at castsource.com slash podcast. And without further ado, let's get into the Buffalonian Podcast. Kansas City Chiefs are the Super Bowl 57 champions, and the Sabres, quite frankly, fell off the face of the earth in the past week. Along with the Would You Rather, Hot Takes, Trivia, and more, this is the Buffalonian Podcast. All right, let's go. We are back with the Buffalonian podcast. I'm Joe Callie, and I'm joined by Dom Loss. And Dom, let's just start it off before we roll into all of the, the Bill stuff going on. The Kansas City Chiefs have won the Super Bowl, those jabronis, you know. Uh, it's been quite a ride. It's been the season's finally officially over, which is crazy to me. But Kansas City Chiefs came out on top in a close game with the somewhat argumentative ending in the past week i would say with that that holding call but what are your what are your general thoughts after you know after watching that it was a good super bowl it was competitive the whole way through i i enjoyed watching it i'm gonna be honest with you but definitely the last two years have been really great super bowls even you know three three of the last four i would say have been pretty good i mean other than the chiefs getting crushed by the bucks but even that was kind of entertaining in its way i mean the rams patriots and back in 18 was just terrible so mm-hmm I mean, that's, I mean, really, we've had pretty good Super Bowls. Uh, we've been pretty blessed for that, even though the Bills don't play in them. Um, yeah, it was a great game. I'm glad I picked the game right. You know, feel very pat on the back worthy. It was getting down to the wire, I would say. I mean, I the Eagles had the lead going into halftime. You think, okay. And then Andy Reid, the second half adjustment king, came out. And, yeah, came out and really took the cake. But yeah, it was it was definitely, I mean, you were definitely right with it. It's become more of a shootout. I thought it was going to be like 10 points less than, you know, for each side pretty much. But and yeah. I think what happens when you, you know, the Chiefs get a defensive touchdown, a big punt return, which leads to touchdowns. So that's pretty much 14 points. And the Eagles just kind of were pretty much got whatever they wanted the entire game. But at, at, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, the Chiefs scored touchdowns and the Eagles get a pair of field goals. So. Yeah, I mean, one thing I will say about the Eagles is they've mastered the fourth and one, the QB sneak pushing. They're gonna change that, I believe. Yeah, I think there's a rule change pending now. <laughs> I think they should. You know, the Bush push ruined it. I mean, we do that with Allen though. Gabe Davis pushes. You know what they're I mean? Gonna, they're gonna change that rule because that's it's kind of like the like you know how you can't pull you can't pull someone. I don't think. I, don't, I think that's no, legal. yeah, you can't yeah. yank them for yardage, yeah. Board, I think they're gonna. Well, then, honestly, though, I will say this though, I'm not trying to get super off topic. It would be kind of interesting because then, is are you never allowed to do it, or is it just on QB sneaks? Like, how are they gonna be able to, you know, like you know, we see those pileups. You know, I think for example, Devin Singletary that last run against Miami, 
kind of got piled up and people started pushing him forward when he was three yards short of the first down. Like, is that illegal now? Are they going to take that out? Right. Like, Are they going to say? That's where I think you get a little. I don't know. I feel like someone's going to exploit that rule, but I, I digress. It was a great game. Um, was it holding? Yeah. In the letter of the law, yes. Yeah. Do I think it was really enough to impact the play? No. I saw, if you saw the NFL films uh, angle, it looks really bad. So I can understand why that. Listen, they, I understand why that's the flag. And you can back, see he's got a handful of jersey. Yeah. And he's looking back at it, it's really not as bad as it calls it live. Um, I just don't think Fox gave you a great view of it live or no. just quick. Um, or not like the proper angle to really see that from like Bradbury's left, you could like the left angle instead of the right angle, you could see it better. Um, it just kind of it, it's tough for the game to end that way. But at the end of the day, the, the Eagles did it to themselves. I mean, as we said, as I said, they kicked field goals, gave up a defensive touchdown, nearly gave up two defensive touchdowns. And they, listen, special teams, man, is a one game playoff. Special teams may not always be a third of the game, but in playoff time, those moments get a little bigger. And listen, they, they activated their punter off IR. They did not play Brett Kern, the Grand Island alum. We all know he would have done better because that was a terrible punt. It was. And let's talk about just he did make the tackle. this credit. He did make the tackle. He did. Punters matter. One thing that I was honestly jarred by, and you probably were right there with me on this. Um, Jalen Hurts' final Hail Mary. I thought he hurt himself when he threw that ball because that thing was a, it just went straight and low. That, that was, there was no, you know what I'm talking about? It's like one of those throws where you, like, you, like, you're in the backyard and you like the crap throw and it just, it slips out of your hand or this looks funny. You knew once he threw it, I was like, that just does, that's no chance. Yeah. I mean, you think maybe he slipped or threw his shoulder out or something. Oh, he has a shoulder injury. So you assume maybe it was, I don't know. I thought maybe, like, and when we when we the camera started to zoom down there, maybe like there was the play where like some like AJ Brown was gonna like moss someone, then lateral till Quez Watkins or Devontae Smith, and they were gonna do the lateral game, like but they already gained like 40 yards because they threw it. I don't know. I thought maybe that's it, but attempting yeah. a 70 yard Hail Mary, I think Jalen you know, Hurts. I don't think I right away I was like, why not he... in my top five, ten list of people trying to attempt a 70 yard Hail Mary? I'll tell no, Allen, maybe uh, like Allen, that. Holmes. <laughs> A Rod, even Baker, because Baker's at least thrown a seventy-yard, yeah, uh, distance before. Yeah, but speaking you know, of hard to say, but yeah, speaking of quarterback injury and also transitioning from the Super Bowl to the Bills topic, um, Ian Rappaport. This is kind of it's it's a little off topic, but he made a statement about Allen's elbow and whatnot, saying it's not going to need surgery, which is very good. We're not in a Brock Purdy-esque situation here, but it did affect play, which is what I kind of suspected. You know what I mean? Like once we were going third and four and throwing 50 yards down the field, I'm like, all right, maybe he can't zip it over the top or anything like that anymore, you know? Yeah, I you know, it, it was definitely – it's interesting because it's like how much – I want to say excuse or blame, but how much did the elbow injury truly affect him? And I think – like the first month after, I'd 100% say the elbow injury like affected them. Like you saw it against Cleveland, you saw it against the Vikings. You totally saw it. I, I think honestly, the person that announced, like, talked about it the best was Tony Romo on Thanksgiving. How like he's not 100%, and we saw him missing those underneath throws. 
and he continued to really do so um, throughout the year. I mean, he still was able to chuck 50-yard bombs, but um, so I think that was kind of bizarre. Um, yeah. But you, feel, you feel like, I don't know, if I, I guess I feel like it would be the other way, but I guess if you're throwing a different side, you know, sidearm, you know. And yeah, Alan, just so one way it'll tweak you more, you know, yeah. like it's weird. Yeah, and Alan talked about like on the Kyle Brandt podcast, like it was mostly good, but sometimes if he opened a door funny, which I was like, I've never heard anyone use that, like <laughs> – way of speech before like i've never heard like someone opening a door funny with their elbow like i definitely like i don't know i i, I, I mean, feel... if you're holding the pizza box maybe i mean that would probably be the only thing <laughs> yeah i don't know I don't, <laughs> i've never heard i never heard that you know anyone opening a door funny injured hurt with their hurt elbow but i think it really impacted him early i think he adjusted but at the same time i'll i'll never think you know he says all this stuff about he was oh he was i was good down the stretch I just think the best thing would have been rest and, um, you know, what he's doing now. And he didn't do that. So, like, yeah, I think the stats looked better for a month. I think he adjusted, so his stats went back up. But I do think it still impacted them. I still, I think it really stunted the offense short game. And then you get into the bad weather games, you know, with the cold and stuff. So, mm-hmm. it's hard to say. I, I think it's, it's, uh, it, it's just difficult to see you know, to really quantify how, how much it truly affected him. But at the end of the day, I'm just happy that he doesn't have surgery. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm right there with you, but now moving into the planned bills topics we were going to speak about today. Uh, Chad Hall, we're just catching up from the week here, events through the week. Chad Hall says bye-bye for the same position, but over in Jacksonville, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So clearly didn't feel like there was room to grow here. Uh, with... Or learned all he wanted to. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think it's I, career-wise probably a good move because I feel like Buffalo is kind of set, you know what I mean, where you're going to be at this point. Um, unless Dorsey has another lackluster year, which that then there might be some turnover, you know. But mm-hmm. I think like we were just talking about, there's more at play like Josh's elbow injury than – horrible play calling all the time but yeah i think it was pedestrian play calling it wasn't mm-hmm. the best play calling let's put it that way yeah yeah and i guess i'm just going to one point on josh like i feel like that <laughs> impact, i think that impacted his ability to take the short pass which made him have to care, hold the ball a little longer which made him miss certain throws or whatever so i think that impacted him too but with chad hall it's obvious that he wants to be an offensive coordinator i can't remember what job he interviewed for I'm blanking on it, but last offseason he interviewed for an offensive coordinator position. Obviously, he didn't get it. Um, so I, I think you know him transitioning from McDermott to Doug Peterson, offensive mind head coach, really uh, from the Andy Reid tree. You know he's got Brian Dable now. He's going to get Andy Andy Reid to Doug Peterson. Like that kind of play calling uh, will just help him a lot. So it was a good. I, I think it's a little bit surprising because he's so well loved um in the locker room and at the same time like can you say that every wide receiver has done phenomenal or developed well probably not i think you know yeah Diggs, but Diggs was always kind of underrated to come before he came to buffalo davis has improved a lot but again this season was kind of wonky very inconsistent for him I think he should get credit for McKenzie developing into a little bit more of a gadget player, but 
I don't know. And then, this year kind of set him back a little bit on that. Last year, if you had told me that, I would have been like, okay, yeah, this guy's, you know. And then Shakir, like, I, I don't know what developed happened there. And I think the big thing that not a lot of people are really discussing is, like, you were the wide receiver coach, and you had Isaiah Hodgins in your room. Like, mm-hmm. and now you see him have success elsewhere. I can't – I got to think that it had an impact on, like, the Bills really wanting him to stay because, like, you are the wide receiver coach. It is your job to identify the talent in your room. Like for him to like kind of sit on Isaiah Hodgins for so long, like I mean, honestly, it's like should he get props for developing him, or should I know like someone's gonna come on and be like the position coach really doesn't have that much say in the offense. You know, it's really more about development. But at the same time, like I don't know. Like I, I feel like him not maybe fighting for Hodgins or him not you know, Hodges not getting an opportunity here. I feel like that has to fall. Yes, it falls on the head coach. It falls on the offensive coordinator for not putting him in the offense. But I think it also happened, you know, your position coach is, has to be your number one subordinate. I feel like that's a, that's a pretty big miss on his end. Um, yeah. And then I would, I would agree. It was just lackluster this year. So like, I, I listen, Chet Hall did a lot of good. I'm not, he's well loved. He made digs who he is. Davis really turned uh, again. He's he's done a lot of good, but it's not like the. I don't think it ain't all sunshine and rainbows. I think if we're looking from this job from the end of last year to now this year, you can't tell me he's done a he he, he regret he regressed a little bit. And the fact of like last year, it was like okay, done a phenomenal job. McKenzie looked really good in the against the Patriots at the end of the year. Gabe Davis had the four touchdown game. At the end of this year, we have a lot of questions about the wide receiver room. A lot of talk about they need to add either a veteran or add a first round pick. They let a, a wide receiver go that now. I mean, he just signed, resigned with the Giants. Like a lot of guys are talking about that. A lot of people regress in that, in that room. And that falls on your position coach a lot of the time. You know, it falls on the OC, yes, but it also falls a little bit, I think, on your on your position coach as well. Um, so I don't think he did a great job this year. And I said to see him go, yes, because I think he's a good coach and he's a good dude. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I would agree with that. I'm pretty much on the same page as you. Like, after the four-touchdown performance of Gabe Davis, <clears throat> I feel like everyone was like, wow, this guy really, you know, he's bringing, bringing everyone's greatest side of him out. And then Butterfinger Davis was on the field this year. So, you know, it just, it was, it was a completely different feel. But Adam Henry was hired in that position, correct? Yes. And... There was also another hiring, Al Holcomb. Did we talk about that on another pod, or was that this week too? I think we did talk about that because I think we 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 talked about that. We talked oh about yeah, because it was another defensive guy, system, a little bit more of an aggressive system, a little bl- more blitz heavy. Yeah, um, is is because we no, we did talk about that. We, we talked, talked about it last Friday. It's not necessary. Yes, man. He actually adds a different uh, expertise in the, in defense that the, the Bills can incorporate. Yes, but Adam Henry has been hired and chad hall's position do you have do you know a resume on it like where he's been before and and whatnot like what are, what are your general thoughts on that yeah, I, I think so i think at first naturally you know when when position coaches get hired i said the same thing about when the safety coach got hired it's like who like i i tend to not have an opinion until uh i kind of see their track whack whack record and their resume um, and this guy has a pretty nice resume. Um, you know, he's worked a lot of OBJ, Jarvis Landry, 
those kind of guys. I mean, he was the wide receiver coach for Kyle in, in LSU when Mar- Landry Noby J was there. He was with the Giants. He's with the Browns last year. He was with the Cowboys last couple of years. I think he was with the Cowboys as well. So, you know, we we've seen him develop good wide receivers. You know, CD Lamb uh, developed under him. Noah Brown developed from a special teamer to a kind of a, a wide receiver for Rashad Higgins. Kind of the same thing. Um, I believe he was also the offensive corner at some point for for the Browns as well. So he has a little bit of experience calling plays. Um, so yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm very intrigued. Last year, I'm sorry, last year he he was with Indiana. It was two years, two year twenty and twenty one. He was with the Cowboys. Twenty two, he was the offensive coordinator uh, with Indiana University. So he's coming from college. So mm-hmm. I think it adds. Listen, it adds another interesting perspective. Um, he's had he's had a resume of developing younger receivers as I said Noah Brown, CD Lamb, OBJ from college, Jarvis Landry from college, Rashard Higgins. Um and there's a lot of those guys that are you know, I think pretty much all those guys that I mentioned are free agents. So come play for your old coach. Like I think that has to be no I'm not saying that that's a I don't I don't feel Let's like bring that's bring I don't feel like that's a main reason. It's not a main reason why I have. It's definitely a side reason. It's like, okay. Yeah, we have- he's got chemistry with these guys, and we're looking for another wide receiver of high talent, so it would make sense. He's developed talent. Yeah. And helped guys maintain their play. I, I think it's 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 a, it's a good pickup. I think it's a I think it's a unique pickup, but it's definitely not. I mean, I, I don't know a lot of wide receiver coaches, so I definitely think it's, it's cool. He definitely has a good resume with receivers of developing that, so – you know, hopefully we can also, you know, as I as I mentioned with the list, I I hope we can able we can get one of those wide receivers for for the chief. Now, personally, I'm not the hugest Jarvis Landry fan because he ended Aaron Williams' career. But yeah, still, yeah, but he's kind of like an upgrade on Jamison Crowder, so I wouldn't hate it. OBJ, I'm kind of out on from the perspective. I think he wants big money, and I don't think that's going to work. But then we look at Noah Brown and Rashard Higgins, like those are guys that are. That would fit like to me. I, I can't remember if Rashad Higgins plays special teams, but I know Noah Brown does. Like Noah Brown would be an upgrade on Jake Kumro, mm-hmm. a guy that's played a little bit more offense. Not he's not a great receiver, but is a good special teamer. Like he would be, he would be a guy that I think would be you know appealing. I think Higgins would also kind of maybe not be a special teamer, but more like the Jamison Crowder route of adding um, or or a lesser version of Emmanuel Sanders, a guy that has. You know, had some productive seasons, kind of as that number three, number four option, right? Uh, pressure off Gabe Davis. So I think those like your two cheaper options, and then if you want to spend a little bit more, maybe you get Jarvis Landry. Um, but again, I think has some good relationships, shown that he can develop talent, has plenty of plenty of experience at a lot of different places. So I'm 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 excited for a new a new breath in the offense. You know, we talked about the defense needing. You know, with Al Holcomb getting a new kind of direction, mm-hmm. I think this is kind of like most of love Chad Hall, a different perspective in the room now. Maybe this helps the Bills get that extra step offense. So by playoff time, they could take it over the top. Yeah. And, you know, as we said with Chad Hall, I mean, our receiver guys have shown that they can step up and make plays, right? There's been four touchdown performances from Gabe Davis and there's been look at that Patriots game with Isaiah McKenzie. Like it's, it's been unreal. 
at times, but it's also been bottom of the barrel offense at times. You know what I mean? So it's mind like mind-boggling. Mind -boggling. Yeah, yeah. The highest of highs and lowest of lows. And I think this guy, Adam Henry's, might I, I think he'll if not bring one of these guys back, like Landry, OBJ, Rashad Higgins, but um that'd be nice. That'd be nice to add another piece to the, the offense. But if OBJ took a cheap contract, like incentive based, like just for a ring, like a ring chaser contract, I'd be okay with that. You know what I mean? But sure. if he wants the Michael Gallup contract, it's a yeah, warrior contract, then no. Yeah, apparently Gronkowski's going back to the the Broncos. You see that before the Super Bowl? The what? Gronk's going to the Broncos. You see that before the Super Bowl? Is he really? Sean Payton had his dry. He was going to wear a gray suit. He had it switched to a blue suit with an orange tie. And then they were talking when they had to make their game picks. Like, we'll we'll name them the Denver Broncos if you come back. Like, all this stuff. Like, it was it was a bit, but it was just funny. Like, That's speaking funny. of coaching hirings and all that stuff. But, no, I think, I think he can have a huge effect on our offense and really help our wide receivers out and, you know, not make Diggs be the only dude out there. And, you know, spread the wealth, help out quite a bit. But now let's flip to the defense. What... Would you say if Poyer and Edmonds both left, right? Even though I, after I asked this question, I have I do have a quick report that I saw, but which would be the bigger need to fill? Don't do the report. I think you're telling me was that for that report is fake. What the one of Poyer getting the yeah franchise a, tag? That's a fake report. Fake. All right. Thank you. Up. Fake report. Fake report. Don't that listen to makes it. There's no way they would do that. You don't think so? No. What do you think they they would do before we move into that question? Like, what, if they want to keep both of them but don't want to sign, like, no, I feel like you, you sign. No, the player's gone. Like, player's gone. gone, but you sign Edmonds. That's what I think. He, the only he, person that they could possibly bring back is Edmonds. I'm 50 50. It, it's like a 50 50 shot on that. It, you know, Matt, they let Matt Milano test free agency, like, legitimately test free agency. Like, he was a free agent for a couple hours, I think. Uh, and then he kind of came back when he saw the market. I think maybe we see the same situation of Edmonds, unless maybe he signs with another team actually. But I think the I think the Bills would definitely give him an offer, and then you know if he doesn't sign, they're gonna keep their offer until he signs with another team or he takes their offer. So, um, talking about your question about the big need, it's definitely an interesting debate. Um, definitely a big hole to fill for both those players' shoes. Like Edmonds played like an All Pro this year, was probably the most improved player on the team. And Jordan Poyer is an all-pro, so mm -hmm. both play a, a big part in the middle of your defense. And I would say for me, it would be Tremaine because I don't see, I don't see an option to replace him currently on the roster. Like yeah. Poyer, I think you know, we don't know the situation of Hamlin's kind of we don't know, but with Hyde coming back, like Hyde and Poyer switching is kind of a wash to me. Um, they would probably have to move Christian Ben forward to safety if, Ham if you know, hopefully Hamlin will return to the field if he wants to. But that kind of situation, they probably might have to add a second safety. But I, at least, I feel like with Poyer, there's an option, there's options to replace him. I don't really see the option on the roster right now to replace Tremaine, and I don't know if it's like a great draft to draft inside linebacker. So they'd probably have to spend on a cheaper op veteran option like Jermaine Pratt for. The Mangles, who's very solid. If Eric Kendricks gets cut for the Vikings, uh, he's a very good zone linebacker, a little bit past his prime, but um, he's a very good player as well. So 
I think that would have to be – they'd have to find, you know, outside options. So I think that's why that linebacker would become the bigger need is because you don't have the in-house options. Also, like, I think Tremaine would also, even for a different question, probably be a bigger loss because he does so much for you in the middle of your defense. He calls all the plays, too. Calls all the plays, and we saw it without him, you know, the second half against Minnesota compared to first half against Minnesota. First half, Tremaine played. Second half, Tremaine didn't play. They gave a bunch of points to Tyrell Dobson. Like, they were a top five uh, – pass defense when Tremaine was on the field according to EPA per play. When he was off the field, they were really bad. Yeah. The difference between him and that were like fourth and 29th. Like they were really ba- they were like really bad upon him on the field. Now Grant that that could be a bunch of backups at times. So it's not like it's Yeah, the injury bug did hit. So I mean like it was Yeah. Thin, but, but at the same time it's definitely a concern. I think he his loss would be more concerning both as like a loss and as a need would be mm-hmm. higher for me. No, I, I would agree with that. I think he's stepped up. I was a Tremaine hater, if you know, if you've been listening for, you know, the past two seasons now. Um, I've I've gone back on that. He's earned very much respect from this past season. He's really, you know, he gave it his all. And you could tell him and Milano were locked down when they were out there on the field together. And I just... I would hate to see him go after him developing here and whatnot, but it's just, it's like the Godfather. It ain't personal. It's just business. You know what I mean? Like it's if the end of the day, our cap is so high and it's so tough to keep these good players around because if you offer him a contract, someone's going to try and one up that contract. Who's looking for a a good linebacker. You know what I mean? Like that, that's just what's going to happen. And I think, I would absolutely agree with you. If Poyer left, Hyde will slide in and you know what I mean? Like you can try out Benford at safety, which we talked about when they drafted him. Did we not? I, I remember we, we spoke about that yeah, we did. during training camp. And I think if Edmonds leaves, like you said, you, you can't, you can't promote from within. You, you got to go out and find someone. So, and I think you're going to have trouble finding someone to fill that void of play calling, being locked down out there. He he was tackling left and right this year too. I mean, it wasn't like he was just out there, you know, and that'd be yeah. a huge loss. Yeah, that'd be that would be big. So before we leave, I just want to transition one quick point back to the Super Bowl. Okay. We saw the creativity on both ends. Obviously mm-hmm. the, the Eagles with their fantastic QB six no, I'm kidding. I mean they, they have yeah. a very they're fourth and ones. <laughs> they're they're very good with their scheme. I mean we saw the two touchdowns for the Chiefs. I mean just the definition of schemed open, you know, to cause havoc. And that's why I've always been like the biggest fan of motion, your offense. Like we saw, like, I I don't know if you saw the back angle from the, um, was it Pachenko who had the rushing touchdown? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like they motion, like, I don't remember who was in the backfield, but back and forth. And you saw the defense move, move, move. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, they did like a handoff, but they had an option for the opposite plays, like opposite side of the field as well. So the defense shifted a little bit. And then they had the the fullback, who was Jared McKinnon, who's a running back, be the lead blocker for him for the touchdown. It was a sick play. And that, that That's a cooler play than either the two touchdowns to Tony or uh, Sky Moore, because that was just like looking from that from the back. And that's why I'm, I, I think Dorsey has to become that. Like you have to become a top offensive coordinator. You know, you get a year, fine. He's got to become more creative in the offense. Like, 
I'm not listen, Patrick Mahomes is a great player, so I'm not gonna like bash him, but like those two touchdowns were literally like you know, someone asked, sports center asked him uh like at Disney World, like can average player person playing in the NFL complete pass? And he said no. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like if I had like that time and I knew the play and he was that open, I mean what do you score? I might not have thrown the best ball, so maybe he wouldn't have scored, but I think he would have caught it. Like he was that open. And I think that's what I want to start seeing of Dorsey. I also want to start seeing more plays leading, you know, being leading up to something. You know, we saw this with Dable. Uh, I think the perfect example is the San Francisco touchdown with McKenzie with the jet motion. Then he became the jet wheel route and he was wide open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You used McKenzie so much as a decoy that they just thought he was going to go laterally. And then when he went vertically off the field, they had no one to cover him because they just assumed he was going to stay in the flat. Like, yeah. That's like, no, let's say, you know, lulling someone to death pretty much. And we saw, you know, <laughs> you got to be shifty. Yeah. Dorsey does that in you know, the first touch of the year. Little run play. Davis fakes blocks, goes up field. Like that, that's lead. That's a play that leads to, that starts by you running the ball with that formation and then passing out of it. Like, yeah, I want more more of that from from Ken Dorsey. I feel like post bye week we lost the shiftiness on both sides of the ball, right? Even like looking at defense, Frazier to win that Chiefs game had half the field in man, half the field in zone, confusing the offense. Still, you know what I mean? They still mixed up a lot of their coverages, though. Yeah, but I mean that forced the interception. But offensively, it's just like like you said, we saw that. I think that's oh. where you get with the like the the problem with the elbow is that could he have take is was he like I can't I can't do it like I can't like that thought about well Holmes made this guy more I know it's like it looks like an easy book but he caught it and threw it like did Allen say like hey I can't catch and throw my I'm gonna kill my elbow doing that like maybe I'm, I'm listen I feel like that's kind of an excuse again but like at the same time like maybe that had an impact where it's like hey I can't. Like I gotta take a second once I catch the ball. I can't do all in one motion, or I'm gonna my elbow's gonna. Mm-hmm. Well, also if you watch like you know older older film, any sidearm pass he throws is are the short, quick underneath passes like slants and stuff like that. Like he'll zip them sidearm, and it just seems like that that was gone. That ability, you know, post elbow injury. So I think that was that was huge because everyone's like, why is he throwing underneath? Why is he throwing screen passes? I'm like. It doesn't excuse his decision making. Which no, is terrible. Um, of course not. But the there's year, definitely but... a factor. No, yeah, sure. This, yeah. But no, I think the creativity offensively, the play calling that leads to plays down the road needs to happen for Dorsey. I also think like both those offensive lines are dominant. Now, I know the field conditions, whatever. They were yeah. slipping too, though. Mm-hmm. But like both those offensive lines were dominant. And I was like, we would have gotten floored just simply by the old line, I feel like. Well, like that's where the Bills. The trenches, baby. Trenches. They need to invest. They need. I think more. It's more of like they need to add like another wide receiver. Take the the thing off Gavis, and maybe they need to add like another elite receiver. Um, but they need to add more to the offensive line so they can be better in that scenario. And then my final point: the Kansas City Chiefs played their rookies. It's as simple as that. Trent McDuffie got burned on that touchdown by AJ Brown, but he was out there and he was making some plays down the stretch. Yeah. You know, Joshua Williams is a rookie, I believe. Brian Cook, who had the big play against the Bengals, rookie safety. Yep. Should have been um, playing Shakir all year for the Bills. George Kaloftis, edge rookie. I mean, I could go Sky Moore, Isaiah Pachenko. Isaiah Pachenko fumbled in his first career game, 
fumbled, I think it was third career game, and then fumbled two more times on the stretch. And he had twice as amount of carries as James Cook did. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Like James Cook averaged 5.7 yards per carry. And he fumbled his first touch, and then did he fumble again? I'm trying to think. I don't remember. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I just think they're not playing James Cook more, not playing Killer Shakur. I, I just understand my phone that Killer Shakur, I don't know. I got to look who actually says this. Because when you look at Shakur, though, just quick sidebar while you're looking at that, those pa- the last couple games we played where they threw to him, he was he, big. Like, that was that was huge, you know? So, rookies, wide receivers getting open versus single-man coverage. Shaquille Shakur ranked fourth among all receivers, under 25 receivers, tops among rookies, with 70 single-man snaps getting open 34 times for a 48.57%. That's more than Garrett Wilson. That's more than Sky Moore. That's more than Chris Olave. Like he was getting open, and that's kind. Of, and but then you look at, I mean, you look at Garrett Wilson, and his stats is two hundred twelve, and Kilshaker seventy. Like Kilshaker should have been getting more opportunities. Like, yes, did he drop the ball against the Dolphins? Yes, but mm-hmm. like we saw him make plays in that game, the third and one. You know, he made a couple plays against the Bengals. Like, I just feel like expanding. I just hope. I think this rookie class could be actually be good. Like people were really mad, mad at this rookie class. I actually think this rookie class could be kind of decent if you expand Cook and Shakir's role. You move Benford to safety full time, and you have Elam finally be the starting corner. Like that, that you could potentially have four starters in that class, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. So I, I, I think this class gets a little bit hate. I, the third round pick will Bernard will never not be a bad pick in my mind. But no, no, I agree. If they can get four stars out of this class, that's a pretty good class, and hopefully they can build on it this year and add some stuff to the trenches and that stuff, and then you can have more stars. Like, that's how you, you – know, it's too early to trash Bean for this draft, I would say, but the last couple drafts you can. This draft, I think, could be good. Like, I think there's definitely potential in this draft. Right. I, 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 don't think I agree. I think there's star potential maybe lacking. I don't know if there's, like, a superstar, but I think there's above-average uh, talent. Just, players uh in the in this in this draft yeah and i just want to i want to say one thing one more thing before we move into the sabers people are people are talking they want Bijan robinson in the first round if we do that if we do that in all seriousness i'll be hucking something at the tv like i'm, I'm it's, it's why do you want another running but we have people are like smash mouth football that's not that's not how it is anymore unless you're the eagles on fourth and one that's the only this. time that works i also this if Bijan Robinson or Michael Mayer is the best player available and there's a couple offensive linemen that you like, trade back. Like mm-hmm. there's someone that would want to get them. Like trade back at that point. And get some more picks. Yeah, get exactly. Yeah. No. I I think truthfully, that wasn't my final point. This is my final point. <laughs> the so I know I've said this before, but it's a copycat league. Right, Deion Dawkins said it at the Pro Bowl. He was talking about the trenches. It's copycat league on his spiel or whatever he was doing. He's going crazy on the camera. But um, you gotta you gotta look at the Chiefs and be like, wow, the way they drafted. You know what I mean? Like the way they w- worked around Mahomes getting big time money, like that kind of a thing. Granted, they sacrificed Tyree Kill, right? And they're also trying to they won in a retooling year, they right? Won, and that's what the Bills are gonna have to do. They're gonna have to do that. They're going to have to do that. And that's that's when you look at the Chiefs, though, and how they did it. That's what you – I'm not saying trade Stefan Diggs. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Like, don't do not do the exact same thing. But it can be done. 
and they're they won the Super Bowl this year. You got to just draft well and get these good rookies out there playing all season because if you don't start hot, okay. But by the end of the season, if you get them working in a rhythm, that's all that matters. Screw the one seed. We play better on the road anyway. I'd rather play three road playoff games. You know what I mean? Like it's just the only good playoff game, great playoff game we've played at home now is that Patriots game in the wild card. You know what I mean? 47 17. So much accurate. But I mean, they also are in the McDermott era, 0 and on three on the road. So, yeah, but those games are all crazy good games, though, minus the AFC championship against the Chiefs. That's true. I'm, I, 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 I concur. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's going to do it for our Bills topic today. But before we move into the Sabres, I would just like to bring up the Sports Bring People Together podcast. You should listen for entrepreneurial conversations with those in sports. And who knows where the chats will take you, but sports got us all here together in the first place. Maybe I'll be able to say entrepreneurial entrepreneurial right at some point in my life. But find this show wherever you listen to podcasts or simply visit sportseplus.com. And now we're going to talk about our awesome Buffalo Sabres this past week. Let's just say that. Let's just say that. I don't know. It, it This was not a good week. They, they basically... I don't know, imploded, vomed everywhere. Like it, it was, it was bad. Like this was a hangover week. I'm telling you. Um, it's just, I don't know. It, like it was looking up. It really was. It was looking good. And then here we are. So I, I'll let you, I'll let you take this one. Yeah. I mean, you have 12 straight goals at one point. Um, just a very, well, I, I'll tell you this. I have a gripe with the fact that like, Calgary already played multiple games after the break before the Sabres even played their first game. I think that's lame. Like, I think the first opponent you play after the break should be a team coming off their break as well. I don't understand why the NHL does that, where like Calgary, I think it was their second or third game after the break, and this is the Sabres' first. Um, but it's kind of weird, though, because the Sabres started out 2-0. Um, but Calgary was a better team. They gave up seven goals. Um, Lukanen kind of left out to dry. I didn't think he was great either. So I, I think I would have pulled them once it went to 4-2 just to get some momentum maybe back on my side. Mm-hmm. Uh, LA was just a mess. Just a mess. A um, couple defensive breakdowns. couple really bad goals given up by Anderson. Overall, just a complete mess. Anaheim almost – I mean, I the Sabres are a team. Now, this is a young, it's a young team, so it's really frustrating to watch. But, I mean, they're up 2-0, and then all of a sudden they're losing 3-2. To Anaheim, like, and yes, they, they stomp back and they score five goals and they win seven to three. Yeah, score looks great, but at the same time, it's like the Sabres have a very bad habit of just stringing together ten minutes of just horrific hot. Like they'll play great for twenty minutes and they'll play bad, like significantly terrible for five to seven minutes and they're losing. And it's like, how is this making any sense? Right. Uh, Can all? I just say something real fast? Oh, sure. The one, the one thing I've noticed, right. I mean, last year at this time, I was watching the Sabres. wasn't really like into it, into it, right? Here we are now, devoted. And one thing I'm noticing the most, honestly, that I see, transition play and passing in the neutral zone is horrific. It's just it's whoever has, teams. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah these passes again when they're bad, it's it's bad. Yeah, it's 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 literally chickens with their heads cut off, just running around in the neutral zone, trying to get the puck across the, the blue monster like that. That's really it. You know? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I think it comes down to the fact that the Sabres don't really have that second way of beating you. You know, they're not good at all. They're one of the worst teams in hockey and retrieving pucks, which means that they dump it, dump it in. 
their percentage chances of recovering that puck game possession is very low compared to the rest mm-hmm. of the league. And I think that's the problem where pe- if teams play them right and don't turn the puck over and don't give them odd man breaks, like, and if their passing's off, they're going to really struggle. We saw it against Calgary. I mean, they couldn't complete a pass, save their life. A little bit with the Kings. Uh, the Kings just, again, just, I don't even know what to th- say about that game. That game was just, it was 0-0, zero, zero, and then all of a sudden it was 5 nothing. Um but at, at the same time, it's a young team. You're going to expect that. Um, do I think they can still make the playoffs? Sure. I mean, technically by percentage points, I think they're behind Detroit now because Detroit won last night. They uh, are. Yeah. By like, by like when, by point percentage, you know, they, with the games in hand, they have an opportunity, but you got to win the games in hand. And I'm not going to truly believe they could do it unless they go on a little bit of a run here. Like, they had to win against Anaheim. Like, if they lost against Anaheim, I'd be like, I don't know. Not making the playoffs. I also think, you know, against San Jose, that's also a must win. San Jose is also a bad team. You got to be able to find a way to get two points there. Um, so, can they still make the playoffs? Sure. Do I think it's likely? I'm going to say no. I think they have, in my mind, they have like a 33% chance to make the playoffs. Like a one three. If they, if they win the games in hand, they have an opportunity. Um but they'd have to really just put everything together and they just don't have defense depth to do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's another thing because they're frantically passing the puck around in transition. Then they get a turnover and there's no one to stop them from going down and scoring. Like that's just kind of what's happening, especially Craig Anderson, who seems like to have holes all through his body. Now at this point, like it's just going in and Eric Comrie, who we barely play expected to go in and, you know, perform. I think that's the good thing about Comrie is he gave like two rebound goals, and it's yeah. like you kind of expect that for a dude that plays once a month, right? Like, but I think you got to play him more. Him and UPL, I think, should be the rotation. Um, I understand he was coming back from injury and whatnot, right? But like UPL has kind of stepped out into the point where I'd say if we ever get Levi, I'd be comfortable with UPL and Levi swapping back and forth. You know I'm what I mean? Not there yet? I'm no, not there yet. I haven't. I don't know. Like. He's winning games, sure, but inconsistent. I think he's been really inconsistent, and I don't know. If he's like the Calgary game was a really perfect example of like, yeah, he made a lot of saves and he made some great ones, but he also just gave up some really bad goals. Yeah, you want to you want to know the worst goal I've seen be given up though is Craig Anderson kicking it in himself the other day. Um, that was that was horrifying. I was right. Like, Ryan one time they chipped in from the blue the the center ice line and it bounced once and went over the club and in. Yeah, but happens happens to the best. But yeah, I, I think it's it was a difficult week. Um, but it's a it's a week where they they've now played three games after the after the break. So hopefully they're finding their legs now, um, and they're gonna go on a little bit of a run. But so talking about defense, Rasmus Dahlin, in a survey from ESPN with you know NHL execs coaches, was ranked as the eighth best defenseman in hockey. Is eight too low? I think I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting. I think this season he's having one of the top three or five kind of years, which is I think is bizarre why they have him eighth. I think it's kind of the situation around him playing into that. You know what I'm saying? Like sure. looking at the defense as a whole and grouping him into that. I feel like a little bit because I would ha- I would have him at five. Uh, it's 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 weird because the one of the quotes was, "Would you rather have Would you have him out there in a five v six?" And I. I don't know. I, I I I come back to the point of this. Eric Carlson is one of the worst defensemen in hockey, but the man has seventy three like his top five at points. 
Would I want, would I prefer, would he be my like top 10 choice for a 5v6? No, I'd pick a way better defensive defenseman. So, like, for Darlene, probably not because I don't consider Darlene a top 10 defensive, like, he's a good two way defenseman. I don't, wouldn't, like, defense isn't necessarily his best attribute. So, I just think that's a stupid point um, to, to really make because, like, there is other defensemen who are very offensive driven that they that are ranked over him in the, in the list. And it's like, I don't want them in a five V six either. Like that's not their strong suit. You know, Darlene, I think is proven to be a top fringe top five defenseman, as you said. So I, I, I think it's too low for him. Um, but I do understand that this is his first real full year breakout. We saw it in the second half last year, this year is, it's, is his first true breakout. So it, it, it makes sense that he's a little bit lo- lower on the list for my liking. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. Like I said, I mean, if if I was just doing it, I would have thrown him at five because I think he's the one of the only reasons him and power, the two big reasons why this defense is even credible at all. You know, and I, if we didn't have either of them, I think it would be, you know, <laughs> well, horrible. The two number one picks, yeah. Mm-hmm. Five, five probably sounds about right. Yeah, probably five. Carlson's having a good year. Trey McAvoy's a good defenseman for Boston. Adam Fox, I, I think, won the Norris two years ago. Cal McCarr. So five sounds about right to me. I, I just think that's where he should be. But mm-hmm. I digress. I digress. Well, talking about, you talked about Owen Power and Rens Stalin. I, I think they have an interesting relationship now um, because I feel like we're going to start very soon because this year I think Dalian's going to get significant Norris votes. And Power's having a really great year. Now, I don't think he'll get a real Norris consideration because he's a rookie. But starting next year, I think there's a real chance if he takes the jump like defensively and scores more points, um, that he's going to put himself in that conversation. And it's going to be interesting because they're going to start stealing votes from each other, you have to think, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's one thing. If Owen Power can stop shooting right into the middle of the chest, I think I think so. That's but true. He does do that a lot. He does yeah. like, you know, like a point shot to the wrist right in the chest. He had but, at least three shots the other night that went right into the chest. Yeah. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I I think it's an interesting conversation, like for the voters, like who's truly the number. Like in a year, if Owen Power takes a jump that we all think he's gonna take, and Dalene still that elite defenseman, you have two elite defensemen. Like who's truly the the, the best defenseman on the team? And how does that impact, you know, voting? I, I do I do say this, though. I think this would have been an interesting conversation about five years ago. But now since we saw Connor McDavid win the heart and Leon Dreisaitl win the heart, both on the same team, I find it a little bit like... Now, that's Ford, so maybe it's different. But, like, those two guys both play on the same team, both put up the same you know, both play on the same power play, both play together sometimes, like for them to both win like a big award shows that the voters can probably look past the team at, you know, having another real top, top of the league teammate. So I think this would have been an interesting conversation maybe a couple years ago. Um, But, but still, I think it's going to be interesting, you know, again, that's the MVP best defense. And there's no doubt there's going to be vote stealing though, because there's going to be, you know, I, th- I think there's going to be some disagreement on who who's truly the best defenseman. And then you see like power could be ranked, you know, what's the difference between power being voted third one year to Dalian being voted fifth and vice versa. Like, right. Uh, that's how you get like a third party to maybe uh, sweep in there and snatch the award. Cal Clegg. 
after he was he was live the other night. He was a live one. <laughs> getting rowdy out there, you know. But yeah, that I was awesome. They got thrown out of the game. Um yeah, yeah. But, Cal Clay's getting thrown out of games now. But so yeah. <laughs> so that that's interesting. That's I think that's gonna be an interesting thing to look at. Uh you know, talking about last week a little bit more. Granado line experiment failed. They came out flat. Um, against, I shouldn't say they came out flat because they were up two against Calgary, but they fell apart. Felt the need for him to switch up the lines. I think he made a mistake switching the top line. The top line is just say the top line. I do think they need to move around the other three lines. Um, and they did a little bit better job of that uh, against Anaheim. So I'm interested to see how that works out. Uh, oh, Devin Levi won the Beanpot MVP uh, for Northeastern. Big, big. Northeastern was a bubble team. Um, you know, they were ranked, I think the top the top 16 schools making the tournament. They were 17, but they beat two top 10 teams in Harvard. And I believe it was BU or Boston College. It's one of the Boston College. One Boston. of them. One of them. They're, they mixed together for me. But big win for him. So I, I think he's just going to be a stud. But the question, I think you, you said something interesting about you should roll with UPL and Common moving forward mm-hmm. for this season. Are you okay rolling that in the next season? Because you got to look short term. Because long term, Levi, I think in two and three years, he'll be at least playing in the NHL. But yeah. I don't. I think. I think he's still at least two years away from being a legit NHL contributor. So you have two years next season and the season following where you had to figure out your goalie situation. See UPL if he plays the rest of this season, and if we do make a wild card appearance, which is becoming more. In or I should say less and less more you know of, of a chance. I I would say if he performs, yes. But Comrie is tough. You got to play him more if you're if you want him to be decent. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not. It's like it's like throwing a rusty car in a race at that point. Like you got to you got to grease him up and let him go out there. You know, like it's just not going to happen. Next season. I think Anderson's gone. You can't hang him around anymore. Mm-hmm. I think you might have to. Everyone wants everyone wants Adams to trade for a goalie right now. When's the deadline? March third. March third. Do you think he will? I don't think he's going to make a move this season because I think he's going to roll with what he's got. I mean, he already has three goalies. I don't see him unless maybe the team wants Comrie back in return. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I I think UPL and Comrie is not good enough next season, no. especially for a season that like this season's kind of as we talked about going in and throughout really the season is like you're not really having that pressure to make the playoffs. It would kind of be like a feel good story if you did. Next season, I think they do have pressure to make the playoffs. Like I think next year is the year. It's like okay, this is the first year in a while where it's like playoffs are the number one goal and should should happen. And I don't think a playoff contending team has that kind of tandem i don't upl again has been solid i think he has really bad moments though yeah maybe if you found a solid goalie to roll with upl that's what i would do yeah Yeah. like that's kind of i feel like a better option because then there's takers on Comrie. i would trade like demko is an interesting option he's terrible this year a little bit injury banged up yet i just i saw the post where he re-injured himself in practice but he was really good the two years previous vancouver is kind of in a no-man spot he has three years left at five million dollars. They had this cap to take his, you know, his cap to flurry. Yeah, he he would be an interesting. Um, <laughs> he would be an interesting <laughs> buy low 
kind of candid a little bit, just but he's young enough to bounce back and maybe he becomes a goalie with Levi if UPL doesn't work out. So he's an option. There are other options um, that I'm just drawing a blank on, but I do think they need to add a, a significant upgrade goaltender over, over Eric Comrie. Um, yeah. And I think, do you think they run with three or just no, two next no, season? Next year there's two. You can't, yeah. I don't like the three anymore. I just yeah. Think, I just think it was a cool idea. And now, it's a cool idea in retrospect, but now looking at it, like as you said, Comrie's not getting enough games, Anderson's not getting enough games, and you're trying to develop Luke, and then it's just kind of it's it's, it's just a weird mix. Mm-hmm. So the last yeah. point I want to make before we do our predictions and that stuff is we do I do feel the need to talk about Casey Mills that Casey mm-hmm. Mills has pretty well. I'm I'm gonna give him some props. Like the first 30 plus games, he was legitimately terrible. The last 20 games, he's been one of the better forwards on the team. I remember you you pulled up a graphic at one point in his first 30 games and it was like i forget what it was but him and bryson were just like doing absolutely like nothing compared bryson to the rest of the team absolutely nothing middle stats bounce back i think a lot of that has to be do with yost and who he's playing with as well i think has really helped them yeah especially with his defensive impacts um his performance right now has stopped me from saying trade him at the deadline i still think they should trade him at the offseason because of his value yeah, will never be higher. With his right. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, it's just like I would normally would say I would trade him for a bag of pucks right in the beginning of the season. Right. That's that's like a going around thing. Like people would give up nothing to get rid of him. But now I feel like he's got some value. And if you hang on to him through the offseason, maybe you kind of can uh, can work something out. I, I don't know. It, it's just. It's tough. Because you see him playing well now, right? And you're absolutely right. And Jost has come along and kind of changed those bottom lines, I would say. Like, when whenever he's played on them, it's they actually are point scorers and goal scorers, you know? So, it, it's interesting. Middle stat's kind of doing all right. I, I mean, we're going to talk about the goal leader and point leader. I mean, he's <laughs> he is both. So, that that's something. Yeah, he, had, he had a good week. I think, for me, I agree with what you're saying from a perspective of value-wise, I don't think he'll ever... It's kind of like a little bit like Olsen last year. Mm-hmm. I don't think either... The, and he's playing pretty decent well this year too, Olsen. They're kind of like similar in point rise. Like, I think moving on from those guys and adding better contributors to your team is important because for me, those two guys are the definition of perimeter players. Um, they're not one of those guys that are going to retrieve the puck. They're going to stay on the walls. And I think replacing those two players of people that are those kind of like... Gr- I don't know. I hate using the word gritty, but Mike loves it. So like that, those gritty guys that are going to go in and forecheck, but also have like offensive skill. Also, you could add a defenseman with one of them too. So you could add like like more of a forecheck or defensive kind of guy as well, who still could put up similar kind of point total um, and add another defenseman or add how you, that's how you add the goalie. I, I just think th- those two guys are prime examples of don't trade them at the deadline, but in the off season, I think they're going to have value, and I think it would be wise for them to, to move on. But listen, I'm, I'm happy he's playing well right now, and uh, hopefully he, he continues to go play to increase his value so we can trade him. And help yeah. the Sabres win. And help the Sabres win. And help the Sabres win. And help the Sabres win. If Casey Middlestad is the reason we go to the playoffs, I'm going to freak out. That's all I'm saying. Like, you won't hear from me for a week. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So last week, the Sabres obviously went 1-2. I, don't, I think Mike might have predicted that right. I think Mike said they were gonna go one two. I think I said two and one. You said one one one. So uh, I was a little bullish on my prediction. They have three games this week. 
They are in San Jose tomorrow to end their Western, Western, you know, California road trip. Um, then they're at home against the Leafs on Tuesday. They're at they're in Tampa on Thursday, and they're at Florida on Friday. I assume we'll have the Friday pod as always. Um, so it's three games, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say one and two. I think they win win tomorrow and lose the next two. I'm gonna say I'm, this is bold. All right, I think I think we've had a lackluster week of Sabres hockey. I think they're right, even though um, Anaheim's awful, right? The not so mighty ducks. I would say that they're riding high after coming back like that and winning like handily. And uh, I think they go three, you know, I think they run the table. I think I it's bold, but I, I would love to see it. All right. So our goal and point leader last week, the point leader was Millstat at five. The goal leaders was Millstat, Tage, Cousins and Krebs all had two apiece. So a little spread out. Um, Joe, who are your goal and point leaders for the week? Give me give me talk for goals. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna come awake here. Mm-hmm. And uh honestly, I'll give give me the point monger middle stat. We're gonna I'm gonna run it back and see if he can do it another week. I'm gonna go Olison for goals and Owen Power for points. I'm gonna go a little off the board. All right, all right. That works. That works. Oh my god, I can't believe I put middle stat on the board. That's like that's, late change now. It's written down. In, in pen, it's done. It's done. It's typed right. up in pen. So, but I, I think that's that's it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I think that's it for our Sabers topic. And without further ado, Kiko's got the Would You Rather and the trivia today. Dom oh has God. the Would You Rather and trivia today. Double Again, call them Kiko on the pod. That's nuts. But yeah, double duty today. So, Would You Rather? I guess the Would You Rather is a you know a little bit more of a funny Would You Rather. Um, Would You Rather? Get hit by a 95 mile per hour pitch or block a 95 mile per hour slap shot. Ooh, holy cow. <laughs> I'm blocking in full hockey gear, right? Where's it hitting me? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. Uh, we're going to say the shin. Okay. Cause if I get hit by a fastball, I could either turn into it. Is that where, is it hit me in the shin too? The fastball is going to hit you in the ribs. Well, I, I shouldn't say the ribs. I shouldn't say the ribs because that might change your answer. It's going to hit you in the side. You could move if you want. Okay. Well, I remember when we played baseball together. I say this right now. It's coming 95. I remember when we played baseball together, you always turned into pitches and let them hit you. You're just like, so, you're a monger for the so. hit by pitch. Yeah. But um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. This is tough because I don't want either to happen. Like, that's the tough part about it, you know. But I think, honestly, with hockey pads, even though it's coming into the shin where there's less padding, I shin. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change. It's like in between the pads on the ribs. Sure, sure. It's like okay. I, I, I Same spot for I, both. You're in no danger of breaking a bone. Like I feel like if it hit your shin, you have a chance of breaking your leg. You're not gonna break your bone. You're just gonna be bruised. So which one would you rather take? Both of them are coming in roughly at 90 miles an hour. So 90, I mean, 95, 95.0. Yeah, 95.0. And a baseball has a little play to it, whereas a hockey puck's a hard piece of rock, pretty much. Coming <laughs> in you. So, having been... It's tough. I'm going, I'm going baseball. I'd rather get hit by the pitch than a 95-mile-an-hour Tage Thompson one-timer right to the right to the rib. You know what I mean? 
I think it's hard because like the pucks like shape. But, but like, this is my point. This is my point. At least in the NHL, like I shouldn't say NHL because you anywhere you can get hit by a slap shot. But at least I know what I'm getting into. Like if I go to block the slap shot, like I know what I'm getting to. Baseball, you're just looking to hit, man, and all of a sudden the balls come at you. Like I just think the fear factor of that I, I'm taking the slap shot. Are you? I, I just I I I wouldn't feel comfortable like being in a, like a like facing like Jacob Degrom, and the next thing you know, the ball's coming right at my ribs. Like I I, I don't I don't know if I would react long enough where I would get hit in the side, and that would probably sting. I don't know. Slap shots also play things. So I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> no, um, I don't. I don't like either options, but I think I would take the slapper. Yeah, how about option C? None of the above. Maybe that would, that would probably be the best right. option. But yeah, that was. I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect from that. Would you rather? I thought you were going to come up with like a very quick answer. I'm... No, I had to think about that, especially with both of them coming in. Like I'm thinking in the perspective of Tage Thompson ripping one, and then like Garrett Cole just ripping one right to your ribs. You know what I mean? Like it's just kind of not not an appealing uh... either way. Yeah. Uh, okay, so now we're on to trivia. Uh, Bills, Sabers, and random. Uh, okay. So for the Bills one, you know, talking about the Super Bowl, who, which Bills player scored the last touchdown for the Bills in the Super Bowl? What was who scored the last touchdown for the Bills in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, their last Super Bowl was '94, correct? Yeah. Hmm. How many guesses do I get? I'll give you two guesses, I guess. Okay. Thurman? Yep, Thurman's the answer. Yep, okay. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> Thurman, Thurman had a four-yard rushing touchdown in the second, I believe it's the first half. I think it was the second quarter in the Super Bowl. They lost 3-13 to to Dallas. Yeah. The Let's just say the um, NFC East really ran the table on us at that point. So. Mm-hmm. All right, for the Sabres. How many non-rookie skaters have already set a career high in points this season? So no Jack Quinn, no JJ Paducah, no cheating by saying like goalies or whatever, because that's cheese. I didn't look that far <laughs> into that one. So that's why, I, that's why I added non-rookie and skater to that question. Okay. All right. Um, do I have to name them or just give you the number? You can just give me, you can give me the, your number answer. And then if you want for extra credit for bonus, you can. I'm going to go for a number. I think. I mean, I know Tage is one. Mm-hmm. I think Cousins is one, right? I don't know. Oh, you're not you're not gonna give me them one by one, good, right? No. All right, I'll go four. Four. The correct answer is five. Oh, it's one off. Okay. Alex Tuck, fifty-seven points. Previous was fifty-two. Dylan Cousins, forty-seven points. The previous was thirty-eight. Tage Thompson, 70 points, previous, 68. Rasmus Dahlin, 58 points, previous, 53. And last but not least, I would have guessed four as well, but it is five because Casey Milstead Milstead. has 33 points and his previous career high in points. You know what? My four, if I actually kept naming them out, would have been Tuck and Darlene. Those would have been the next two I said. Middlestat, I did not realize. I mean, just from the detrimental beginning of the season he had, that he was even in there. So By Eight points, too. He's beat his career high by a significant, like a significant amount. Yeah. Uh, tied with Cousins for the most. Actually, no, Cousins has nine-point difference. Can't do math. <laughs> I, yeah, I would have guessed four as well. And then I was like, oh, Middlestat, fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, the random one. Probably won't get this, so I'm probably gonna have to help you, which is fine. Um, when, what was what year was the first Bison's League Championship? I give you a hint. 
starts off. They started in 1988, so it's 1989. So you have, I'm giving you what, a 35 year window. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have one question. Mm-hmm. 1900s or 2000s? That's it. 1988. 1988. No, no. Oh, oh, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm, You're I'm not giving me that. I'm not I'll I'll give you that if you want after your first guess. Okay, ninety five. Uh, it is the right decade. I'm in the right decade. Yes. Okay. So now, do I go high or low? Is the question. You get one more guess. Ninety eight. Nineteen ninety seven. Oh my god! I was gonna say ninety seven. Oh, that was close. At least I was within one or two. Hey, you're within one in both, and you got the third one right. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good day. Yeah. Yeah, got Thurman on the first one. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. All right. Well, Dom, thanks for the trivia. Thanks for stepping in. And that's <laughs> going to do it for this edition of the Buffalonian Podcast. I'm Joe Kelly, and I was joined by Dom Loss. And Dom, how do you always end these, buddy? Go Bills, baby. Go Bills. Super Bowl 58 champions. <laughs>